Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast and the Mindset Matters Edition, where I'm joined by my wife and Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. Together, Stephanie and I engage in a conversation about different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters. We believe that we're living in and through one of the most impactful global events in history. And let's face it, few have trained for or are equipped to deal with the life that is unfolding before them. The need to pivot in your business, your career, or perhaps deal with shifting family dynamics lies before many. We hope to inspire you to ask yourself questions or pause to consider how you view your world, your life. We'll invite you to check in on where you are on your journey, and are you still clear on your intended destination, or has it changed? Join us for this in our series of Mindset Matters. Listen in, enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast, Mindset Matters episode. And guess what, Stephanie? I'm back. You're back. How cool is that? Great to have you back. I did that podcast by myself. I'm afraid to uh, listen to it again. But anyways, I'll see if uh, anybody gives me any feedback about it. But well, I'm biased, but I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. You went on a couple of little, you know, tangents. Fired up Francie. <laughs> As I'm known to do. I love it. Okay, so welcome back. Anyways, let's uh, have a conversation today in the context of Mindset Matters. We're talking about money. Ooh. Ooh. This conversation is about money. It's about money myths and how to bust the money myths. So there's lots of stories out there. We all have, you know, I I, th- I want to say I shouldn't use those kinds of terms. Many have these challenges around money. It's always a big conversation. We are in it all the time, of course, with real estate investors and business clients. So We ask ourselves the question, and this is for you, why do we believe what we believe around money? Let's answer that question, not right now. Where do people sabotage or put blocks up around money? And what is a poverty mindset versus a prosperity mindset? Now, those are three questions. I'm sure there's others that we can kind of weave into this whole conversation because it, it always is about the quality of the questions you're asking yourself around your belief systems about money, you know? And so let's talk about that. So name off what you know as some, of, I, I can think of a few, but you, you name a couple that. You're talking money myths? Money myths. What are some of the stories we have around money? Oh my gosh. Well, let's start with some of the myths. And I think we can probably between the two of us <laughs> tell a lot of stories about, you know, busting through our own money um, money dramas and money myths over the years, you know, both being pretty middle, raised pretty middle class, you know, middle of the road kind of thing. Um, But some of the generic ones that I've found over the years that really have affected people in their mindset around money is, of course, the most famous one is money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Money is the root, but that's I think a misquote. I think it's supposed to be the love of money or the drive to have money amongst uh, you know above anything else is the root of all evil. So I don't exactly know the quote, but I know that money is the root of all evil is really uh, all evil is is very common. The one that I was raised with is money doesn't grow on trees, you know. But you know, Jadine made a good point this morning is that it actually does because back in the day there was money that was made out of paper. <laughs> Papers made out of trees. <laughs> well, I guess if you're, uh, you know, culturally, if you're in another country and, uh, you know, fruit is your exchange for currency, it could possibly be <laughs> construed I'll, that way. I'll take a papaya for, uh, you yeah. know, 
Yeah. And then, of course, we have to work hard for our money. That's always... And work the, harder. The harder I work. work the more money I'll make. Yeah. Mm, that's a good one. And that's, you know, but that one is, I think, you know, that's an interesting one because it depends on where you come from with that. If you, you know, I listen to, let's say we listen to whatever billionaire happens to be out there. You know, Elon Musk is a big name in the media these days. Richard Branson has been in the past. Bill Gates. If you listen to their stories, they were obsessed with work. You know, they worked or with tw- money. Well, but they <laughs> but they worked hard to make their money. So they they yeah, they worked twenty four seven. I don't think Bill Gates did. Don't no. don't get me going on a Bill Gates rant. Well, no, but he Bill, came from money. He did come from money, but as a young man growing up, he his story is around the garage. Whether it's true or not, no, I don't think it's true. Okay, <laughs> well, okay. Obviously, you have an opinion of Bill Gates. Oh, I'll really? Leave, I'll leave that one alone. Now, uh, there's one that is quite common, which is wealthy people are generally crooks or evil or crooked or mm-hmm. they got their money through some nefarious means nefarious misconstrued Mostly cheaters there's not enough money to go around Ooh, hello. that one zing right yeah That's so wrong yeah the rich get richer well how about money equals happiness the more money i have the happier i will be yeah that would be a good one to bust and then talking about money is taboo and or selfish Mm. That's an interesting one. Uh, and we did some work with Nancy and, oh my gosh, I can't believe I f- forgot her last name, who did Money with Kids. Oh, did she, didn't you do her podcast? Didn't she do the podcast? Yeah, she did. She did my podcast. She oh, did podcast. And, and she forgot was, her name. She's been on the rain stage a number of times. I, I'm just not that great with names. Anyways, let's move on from that. But the point is this, is that she really taught kids how to deal with money. And she shared a lot with me about in the work that she's done and understanding is that families are not comfortable having uh, money conversations. So mom and dad having a conversation in front of the kids about money, money challenges or what money is to them or whatever was really challenging. And so even between couples, she said, there's a breakdown. So it's a fundamental, like you and I, we set up in our world, we you know, everything we've got is transparent in terms of what we do. We structured, you know, just a quick structure. Here's, you know, just because it is part of a money conversation, I believe. is So, for example, we have a joint account where we pay all of our bills and stuff out of. And 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 then we each have our own personal account, which is what we used to use to buy gifts or buy stuff that we want to spend our money on. You know, but it's, it's never... Uh, I don't think we've ever spent five minutes thinking about, well, I put in more money than you. Like it's not even a conversation. So we're well, we're very open around our conversations around money. Yeah, and- I think too, because when you think about it, depending on how your your family treated money or how they spoke about money or didn't speak about money in front of you, there was a lot of in my investigation of, of doing this is that what the word that came up is um, shame. There's a lot of shame around uh, money, whether having money, not having money, um, screwing up with your money, carrying too much debt, not understanding what money is, what it's for, how it's used, how it can be used. So I think there's a lot of um, shrouds of secrecy around it. And I think that's what I'd like to bust a little bit today is, is how maybe how I shifted, how you shifted our context around mindset and how money matters and what money really is. And when we can, you know, and I really invite the listeners right now to to think about what their myth is or a combination of myths and maybe where it came from. Because the, the, the last one we just talked about uh, on the list, Patrick, was a prosperity mindset versus a poverty mindset. 
And if we can identify that in ourselves, if we have one of those, some people talk about abundance mindset. They say, you know, that you know, you just have to understand that money is everywhere. You just haven't seen it. I get that kind of on an esoteric level, but I really, really, I think we need to dig into where the poverty mindset comes from. Well, let's see, we can go a couple of different directions around this. So, you know, I look at money and you hear many of the, I don't know, experts, those individuals who talk mindset and they talk personal development and they talk about money and, and really money is just energy. But arguably everything is just energy. It just vibrates at a different pace. And if everything is energy and that includes money, that includes, you know, everything around us, it just vibrates at a different pace. We're also energy, which then by that in that same notion means that all we have to do is tap into the energy of money. And then money would in fact start to come to us easier or more abundantly or with less effort because we're just tapping into that energy, that vibrational zone. Yeah, that makes sense. I get that from a money is energy. Money to me is just, it's everywhere. It's like air. And and when we understand that, we can start to then unpack maybe what are some of the blocks. The blocks are very historical. They're very deep in many, many people. If you find, I find that in some of my clients, they, it doesn't matter what they do, but at the end of the month, they always end up at zero. So the conversation around money is interesting. You have a way, no, I shouldn't say you've over the years have a different view of money and a different theory around money than I've had. So it has been interesting in our own development around dollars and cents. Now, we've been very blessed to do quite well. We have worked hard. We have had businesses. We've had our highs and lows of dollars and cents, and we've made our mistakes. But ultimately, we are always confident in coming back to recover from those financial uh, setbacks, if you will, and in continuing to do what we do and, you know, working hard and you know, doing what we love to do, living in the values and in, of creating money. But when you talk about a prosperity mindset versus a, what did you call poverty. it? Poverty mindset. Thank you. Why don't you define those a little bit? Well, you know, it's a context that I use with my clients and I can always hear it in their languaging. It's in, it's, it's where there's not enough, whether it's not enough, I'm not fit enough, I'm not, I don't have enough money to pay my rent, I don't have enough knowledge. This, it's the poverty mindset when you talk about money is still grounded in the not enough mindset. And the prosperity mindset is truly based on an unlimited or an abundance consciousness where you just see abundance everywhere. And I think the gap between the poverty mindset and the prosperity mindset is where the work is done. Like, for example, in, in, in our program Shift, where we have the seven areas of life and, and financial is one of the pillars. And so is vocational. They're not the same. Mm -hmm. And I think some people conflate money and their job to the same thing. Instead of stepping back and seeing money as a form of exchange, money is a flow of energy. It's a, a form of appreciation. Think about money as appreciation. As uh, something increases in values, it appreciates. So money, when I can help a client shift the conversation and, okay, so let's not talk about that as just a simple form of exchange. How about we call it appreciation, which again, links to gratitude and gratitude is what opens us ourselves up to doing some healing work around maybe some of the patterns, some of the myths and some of the guilt and shame we were maybe grown up with when it came around, when it came to money. Okay. So that still sounds a little esoteric to me. And 
and I'm and I get it, but I'm 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 also trying to speak for some of the listeners that might be here going. I don't know what the hell you're talking about right now about in terms of appreciation and energy. You guys are off on a tangent. Just tell me what to do. You know, there's, a, I'll share, a, let me share a story around all of what, kind of what you, what you just talked about. So uh, this was a few years ago that I was working with a small business owner and in the real estate space, but not investing in real estate. He was providing a service for uh, real estate. You know, when I talked to him, one of the things that he had going on was he needed to make more money. His uh, wife was, I think they were having their second child, and he just wasn't bringing enough money in the door. And I think he was around, uh, you know, he was, he was able to net about sixty-five grand a year out of the business he was doing, and he had way bigger aspirations. And I was kind of coaching him through some stuff, and I realized that one of his blocks was he didn't think he deserved more than 65 grand a year. So this goes back to a little bit taps into the appreciation part of it. And I said, well, what would your goal be? And he really, I had to force it out of him. And finally he got to, he said a hundred thousand dollars a year, but even saying a hundred thousand dollars a year was really uncomfortable because he didn't think he deserved it. Mm. Now that was a psychology that I read into behind it. Now, over that period of time, I had him do some journaling and some some kind of writing and, you know, really had him practice the conversation of, I earn $150,000 a year. And it took him a while to even get com- comfortable. It was really uncomfortable for him. It was kind of an interesting phenomenon. And we actually had some conversation around appreciation. Long story short, 12 months later, he comes back and he says, I just t forward for $172,000. And it was really, his story was that he wasn't worth it. And so I think that connects a little bit to the appreciation side of the conversation. It does, but it's also about the the stories that we tell ourselves and and the the situational um, experiences we have growing up. So if, if, for example, uh, back then $100,000 was a lot of money Mm -hmm. for us growing up, Hundred thousand dollars. You know, when people say it used to crack me up when I was helping people bust through their money stories, is that they would say, "Well, I want to make six figures." I went, "Okay, well, what does that mean?" Well, six figures, because that, of course, in the news or that's what people say. Sure. It's a stick thing. I says, "Well, what number is in front of the six, the the zeros?" Mm. And it, it never occurred to them. Well, what if it's a one? That's a hundred thousand. What if it's a nine? Mm-hmm. Is six figures could also be nine hundred thousand mm. dollars. So the shift in the mindset is also being squeaky clean and clear on what it is that you're intending. Now, for me, growing up, I'm I'm very very middle class. My parents, they would talk about money in front of us. My mom said to me all the time, "Is pay yourself first." pay yourself first. And I didn't understand that because I'm, you know, similar to that where I didn't think I had value. You know, well, what is it that I'm going to be paid for? I don't have any skills. What do you mean pay yourself first? I have to pay my car payment. I have to pay my rent. I have to. But what she was trying to say is take 10 or 15% of whatever you make and put it aside so that when you are paying your bills, you don't get resentful. And resentment and shame are real are two very strong drivers when it comes to people's mindset around money. And we can dig into that a little bit more. We do in shift. I mean, I don't know if we have time to do it here, but we're going to dig into it a little bit more when it comes to the resentment, the shame, and the stories that we have around money and the limits that that puts on our ability to create. So when we look at, there's a couple parts of it, you know, is that 
when you're a young when you're young and you're growing up, you're taking on and 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 starting to take on the values that your parents have around money. Now, as much as you guys were middle class, you as a family, you know, your parents did quite well financially because they handled money well, they invested well. They talked about it. They they bought real estate. Yeah, back. sure. They were all yeah. They were on top of it. My parents, on the other hand, did not. And so, you know, when I joke about being on the wrong side of the tracks, I really was on the wrong side of the tracks. But my, you know, my parents, we had four kids and, you know, my dad working hard, my mom worked. And it was one of those scenarios where they came off the farm out of the country, if you will. And and so it really was, this is how much we earn. This is my job. This is how much I get paid. And so there was always a limitation to how much money was, could be made because, there, was, there wasn't an entrepreneurial skill out there. My dad was very handy, so he did all his own stuff. You know, he did all his own oil changes and repairs on cars. And so in a, in a way, that was making money, but it was also working hard to do that. So it comes back to how we, you know, speak to our kids, how we're brought up, and what the stories we have around money. So my dad's limitation in his in his world was... I get X amount of dollars per month, per week, per year from my job, and that's how much money I have. And I have to live within that restriction, and that's just the way it is. And your mother had to go work part-time. So that very classic kind of bungalow living lifestyle, right? So your parents had a similar world. They both had jobs, but for some reason, they expanded outside of that. So what do you think that is? You know, a lot of it, I think, was that um, there was a survival sort of factor in both my mom and dad. Um, my mom was in a male, very male-dominated world, you know, when she started to realize that she could make money and make as much money as a man, but she needed to to really work hard. So she worked in, in very early in the computer IT industry as one of the very first women in that, in that business and for the provincial government. And what she saw in the in saw there was an expanded consciousness or an expanded context of what was available. She got invited to all the you know the the you know the high end um, parties and the fundraisers and that and that she'd never seen that. My dad had never seen anything like that. That level of fi- uh, financial abundance was not in our, in our realm. You know, they chose to buy a house um, when we were in I think early elementary school, and the exact same house was one one area on North Side Edmonton and the exact same builder had a house in the South Side. They they loved the house, but they chose the one on the North Side because it was more familiar to them and there was they would have to pay less taxes. So they it, but it was interesting to see the decisions that were made were driven by being uh, efficient and being responsible for the money that they did have. So there was a very much, uh, there was a very interesting way of how they managed money because they say when you manage money well, you get more money to manage. And that's really what they did. So back to the pay yourself first, then pay your bills and pay your bills with respect. You pay your light bill with respect because your lights are turned on. So there were those types of conversations that we were having all the time. I didn't, I think maybe I saw one argument about fight, a fight, and it was when my mom wanted to buy me a second pair of skates. And my dad said, we don't got the dough. And he goes, she goes, I will find it. Mm-hmm. I will find the money. She needs another pair of skates. She's going to be a competitive figure skater. She needs the skates. I will figure it out. And when I heard those, that type of languaging, I'll figure it out because we were their highest value. Michael and I were, and you know, still are to this day, my dad's highest value, is that they would put themselves back 
in the backseat a little bit to make sure that we got what we needed. So we didn't always buy new cars, but Michael and I had the best skates, for example. So, you know, let's check in here because I, what you just said is something that's interesting around how your mom approached that conversation around buying you a pair of skates. But, you know, let's check in here a little bit. So if you're listening to this, you know, the question you should be or the maybe where you should be reflecting is what is your attitude towards money? Is it, I need to work really hard to get money. Money's hard to come by. I don't make enough. I'll never make enough. Something that you said that speaks to the energy of money, if you will, and that is paying bills with gratitude instead of paying bills begrudgingly and being pissed off because you got to pay these bills. And there is an energetic release, if you will, that comes with gratitude when you're saying, I'm so you know, I'm so grateful for being able to pay this bill and have lights, have heat, you know, have insurance on my car, have a car, you know. And so can you actually look at it that way and uh, understand that that's what, you know, that is part of the energetic conversation. Now, I want to go back to something you said that your mom said. So the one thing that I've observed, and I have more than a couple of close friends that have done exceptionally well financially and do exceptionally well financially. And in conversations with them, when challenges come up and we talk about money, when we get into the conversation, they will blatantly, just bluntly go, I'm not worried about making, I'll always make fucking money. Money's easy. Like that's their attitude toward it. I'll just always make money. I don't even worry about that. That's the last thing I'm worried about is making money. And then they have a different set of problems. You know, their problem is, you know, staff or their problem is, is that they piss people off or they're, you know, like there's, there's, it's an interesting dynamic of, and they have money and they got lots of money and they got great lives and all the rest of it. But it is interesting that having to work harder or having to do something different than they're doing is not even in their brain. It just is, it's like making money is easy. Like I'm never worried about making money. I always make money. It's like, Okay, <laughs> you know, like, how, how do you do that? <laughs> well, but the thing is, is that they do that, yeah, right? Do. And they do, and they get shit done, and they execute. That's the other side of it. They don't just talk about it; they do stuff. They don't worry about making a mistake. They don't work, worry about failing, quote unquote, failing, is because they know that in terms of execution, you're going to make mistakes along the way, and all you're going to do is put in the correction and keep moving on. You know, it's not going to be perfect, and they don't wait. To have a total design in place, they actually just move forward on that idea with the structure that they need to get it going, and then they handle it as they go forward. Yeah, it's amazing when you think about, you know, the realm of people that we've been around, you know, for us together, we've been together 30 years and the, you know, the extreme, you know, from knowing people that are just pulling themselves off the street or in their 30, 40, 50, 100, $200,000 in debt to some of the wealthiest people in Canada. Mm-hmm. And when you really think about it, some people will judge others on how, what they perceive their money. I remember, you know, back in the day, my mom and dad were wanting to buy a Mercedes Benz and they were coming in from the lake and they went to the Mercedes Benz dealership and they drove up and they said, can we do a, you know, a test drive of a, of this Mercedes Benz? My mom really wanted a Benz and they got out and, you know, the dog was in the truck and <laughs> they had all this stuff and they were in their lake clothes and the guy wouldn't even look at them. Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't even, he's like, oh no. And they just basically turned their back. So you know what they did? Drove across the street, bought a BMW cash. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's also, there's interesting, all those stories that are out there around that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they're actually, uh, Patrick Bet David, who I follow, just shared a similar story uh, with, you know, a $300,000 uh, Ferrari that he wanted to buy. And the guy wouldn't give him the time of day because he was 
number one, he's, I think he's from Iran he's or something. Iranian, yeah. yeah, Iranian, and, and he was kind of all dressed down, although he lives in a literally a $30 million house in Miami. And, you know, but his kids were in and out of the car and driving the guy. Yeah, anyways, it was just an interesting story. I don't know why we went down that path. Well, but. I think because that's also the other side is our perception of money and then the judgment that we have on ourselves and others. And I think that's where the blocks can be around money. What if money is truly everywhere? What if we're just not seeing the opportunities? We're not seeing the the, the ability to, to create the alchemy of turning a skill or turning something that we have into money. Many times I'm looking at somebody, I've, we've got people in our life that are so gifted and they're working so hard doing something they don't love, yet when they do something they do love, all of a sudden they go, oh, well, maybe I could make money at this. Mm -hmm. So there is a mindset when it comes to money that if we slow down long enough and say, okay, what is, like, if I really look at my finances, what is it I need to do to look after myself? And do I just want to live to the minimum of my of my desires? How do I take my my dreams and my desires and my wants and maybe connect that to my purpose and then see if I can actually make a great living doing that. Well, I think for anybody that is just starting out, there's a kind of fundamentals. I think you said it very well, which is, you know, the more you manage your money, the more money you have to manage. And, you know, the fundamentals of being able to look and have a budget and understand what that budget is, especially when you're first starting out, that doesn't actually limit you. It just means that you're managing your money. You know where it's going. Uh, are you, you know, is it is it just kind of floating away? Are you really paying attention to it? Now, I don't know if that ever goes away. You and I haven't lived off a budget for years directly, although we kind of keep, keep mental track. And we've always lived below our means, which is an interesting concept because we've never carried credit card debt. We've never carried consumer debt. We've always lived below yeah, our means. Where did that come from, do you think? Well, I, I, I you know, I know from for me, it came from my father. Literally, I can remember the day he said it to me. He goes, you know, when you, one, one of the things that you need to always be aware of, and I was young when he told me that, I'm thinking like 16, 17, if that. And he said to me, one of the things that you'll always need to be aware of is that your credit rating is everything. And he said, do not ever let your credit get away from you. And so I was always very fearful, you know, of going offside in that way, because that really, for whatever reason, it was words of wisdom that stuck with me. And it was interesting at, at the time when I was like 18 or 19, back in those days, I remember I ran up my credit card to 500 bucks. And like, I really had to kind of eat less that month to cover that $500. Well, didn't you have to feed your cat or you at one yeah, point, well, Walter? Yeah, yeah totally. Or Walter. Walter, my cat. It was either him or me, and we took turns eating. So the the thing about that is is that when you start to kind of gain that habit of living uh, under or beneath your means, and I think there is there's a world of delayed gratification. It's interesting. I had Richard Diaz on the Everyday Millionaire podcast that's coming out soon, and it was really fascinating is that – a little bit of delayed gratification in really understanding that what's happened in the past, particularly 15 or 20 years, we really got talking economics, by the way. So if you really want to dig into global <laughs> economics, listen to that one. We had a blast. But here's the thing that he pointed out. It's, you know, because he really is defending millennials in a, in a way that they take a bad rap. Understanding this is that we have gone into the banking system, the central banks have made 
credit so accessible and rates have come down so low that it's way too easy and tempting for instant gratification as opposed to delayed gratification for many. And so that's part of the challenge. And then, of course, with social media, you're seeing all the guys that are buying cryptocurrency and, you know, making millions on Robin Hood and going out and buying their Lamborghini. And But those are the exceptions, not the rule. And they're, of course, not sharing the stories about the people that have lost their few thousand dollars that they had and they invested it all and and lost it all. So there is a part of it where culturally and low interest rates, availability of credit seems to be the answer to all your money woes. But we all know that that eventually buying a uh, depreciating asset, you know, like a car, you know, as an example, or a toy, you know, at the end of the day, it comes back to haunt you at some point, unless you can figure out a way to get ahead of that game and make more than you spend. Well, that's the, that's the thing, right? If we don't, if we spend more than we make, we're always in a debt situation and we're creating, this is a debt society. We're in a consumer debt society. We're not in a society uh, that has anything to do with money, abundance and prosperity. Uh, many, many people, um, I heard the stat last week, are some in Canada, up to 40% of people are $200 away from not being able to meet their bills at the end of the month. Yeah. 200 bucks. Yeah. That scares the hell out of me. Well, I, why are you? Well, no, I'm not are that. You, but I think, you're not telling me? <laughs> of course not. You see, you see everything. But my point is, is that what that does is that creates panic. And when we have created a, a consumer debt society, it's much easier for the government or whoever to come in and go, here, here's your, you know, you know, here's a couple thousand bucks a month. You just stay home. You don't need to worry about it. We'll pay your bills for you. And then what happens is that people then become dependent. It's like, okay, now the government's my dad and he's going to pay my bills. I don't really have to generate any money. I don't have to gain any skills. I'll just have to. And then we're leading, of course, into the next dark side of uh, UBI. And that scares okay. me. That and, scares me. Okay. And CBDC, so yeah. central bank digital currency. Richard and I also touched on that, and that fires him up too. So, but we're not here to talk politics and we're not I know, here to talk policy. I know, but we're here to, to talk about mindset. So, if we're going to be a contribution when it comes to talking about mindset and money being a driver, it's one of the biggest drivers of our society. It's the fear of money, the love of money, the, the, the confusion around money that keeps people trapped. And if we if we can, you know, shine a little bit of a light on the fact that money, if you just slow down and look at what's really going on, and there's going to be maybe some shame looking back at what you may have created and lived above your means, or if you've done a, a maybe made a deal or an investment that didn't go so well, where do we slow down and take the time? to help people dig into that because there is a way out. Yeah. And I'm, and I, you know, so I'm an advocate for making lots of money and, uh, so am I. And, and I, and I am often saying I need to make, and I want to make more money. So I'm, I'm great with that. But I think from a societal point of view, you know, that there's a quote, you know, from whoever, whatever rich guy says it, you know, I've been, I've been poor and I've been rich. Rich, rich is, is better. better. Right. Well, that sets you up for understanding that, you know, there's other people out there that I've been poor and I've been rich and rich isn't better. That's right. Because money does not equal happiness. It doesn't. Because, it, you know, people say, well, yeah, you can buy more stuff or you buy time or you buy the time that you need to spend with your family or that can support your values. But there, see, that's the breakdown. Okay. So here's the thing is that we think we want to make more money. We, and that money is the end. It's not. 
It is actually what money buys you and it isn't stuff. Stuff will not make you happy. It'll get you on that high and whatever dopamine you get a flood of when you buy that toy or that thing. And that's not where happiness lives and that is not where satisfaction lives. Ultimately, what we're, what we're trying to do, and I think it's Jeff Booth that pointed it out really eloquently, far better than I'm going to do with it, which is to say this, it's not that we want to make more money. We want more time. That's what money buys us. Stuff aside, we think it's more stuff. And then we start to realize, no, it's just, I want the choice of what to do with my time and that money that gives me that. Now, on the other side of that, ultimately that breaks down to things we've talked about many times is that happiness lives in being a contribution and happiness lives in being providing or having a purpose, having a purpose, right? So being a contribution to things, somebody, some, something outside of yourself. When we're navel gazing, that is where we are the least satisfied and the least happy. So when we look at what money can do for us and, and I understand all of what it is, I think the closer we can get to understanding what we want the money to do for us, the more, I think the more satisfaction we will have and the more gratification and the more focus we will have on understanding what it is that money does for us. But we have to get to what the story is that we have around money. We have to manage our money. So that means if you haven't ever done a budget, you need to do a budget. You need to. It can be quite disturbing when you start to see how much money you're putting into things that are not You know, one of the terms that I use when it comes to identifying, and we learned this years ago, is we're either creating or we're consuming, Mm -hmm. right? And for me, I want to be constantly, whether it's creating money, creating opportunities, creating purpose, creating conversations, creating, 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 so that when I do consume or I do spend money on things that are consumables, then basically, or I'm investing in, in something that will down the road create a uh, a return and a and 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 really get a familiarity again with lo- with a little bit of the um delayed gratification concept but ultimately if you look about everywhere in your life where you're spending money is it from a place of creating a better lifestyle paying your bills investing in your children investing in the things that matter to you or are you consuming mm. like if you're just constantly consuming and buying and buying and buying things that are that are going to break. I mean, I, I call it the microwave Ikea, you know, generation because everything is temporary and we're still paying the same amount of money. But so what is the relatedness we have around that and the investment in ourselves, in our time and from a creating versus consuming standpoint? So just as a, you know, as we start to wind down here, you know, one of the tips that I could also provide, and this is one I've experienced myself over the years, a uh, long time ago, the realization when I was asked the question, when you're around somebody that you perceive as as having money, okay, whether they do or not is really irrelevant. It's when you are around people that you perceive that have money, what is the self-talk you have around them? You know, it's like, if you want to be a better golfer, go hang out with better golfers, right? If you're a really bad golfer, go suck it up and go be the worst guy on the course on the course that day and you will improve your game when you're hanging out with people that have an attitude that go i never worry about making money i just make money right then all of a sudden that's a way different conversation than you complaining to a buddy or a friend that says you know where you're you're complaining about the bills or how you're not being paid enough or whatever the story is and they're actually buying into that and they're going yeah i got to be tough well i can see why that's so hard 
quit. Yeah, don't, just, don't. Yeah. Tell and, him to get oh, lost. Oh, and you know the man. Yeah. Right? It's all about the man. He's taking advantage of you. Right. Man's trying to screw you over. So, you know, there's a, there's a there's a lot of stories around that. So when you're hanging around with somebody that you believe to have money, then pay attention to what you're thinking about that. And then also look around who you're surrounding yourself with and what is the talk around money with those people that you're hanging around. I can assure you that you hang around with people with money and you will start to view the world through a different set of filters. If you're surrounded by a number of people who are only looking to make another 50 cents an hour or another buck an hour or are constantly complaining because they're not being paid enough, you're already on the wrong side of that conversation when it comes to money. I can't stress enough that put yourself into an environment. We see it all the time within the Real Estate Investment Network. You know, we, we talk often, community, culture, environment. When you're in a group of like-minded individuals who are trying to achieve and go beyond and, uh, you know, and, and expand what they're doing, guess what? There is no room for the negativity or the make wrong in those conversations of what, what you're trying to achieve. So I encourage you to create an environment for yourself that actually speaks to how you make, how you generate, how you tap into the energy of money. And also your stories around it. I think that's what, you know, what bringing it right back to the to the beginning, Patrick, is what are the stories that are in the way of you making the life that you say you want? Because we need money. We still are in a Western culture. We still have, it's, we're, you know, at least for the next little while, you know, we have the opportunity to make money and, and, and capitalism is not dirty, you know, being a capitalist and being a financial, being aware of what, of, of the importance of having a relatedness to money is going to be something that's going to be important going forward. If we if we give that up and we give that away to the government or we give that away to someone else that they're going to take care of us, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble. And I would love to be able to open this conversation and have this and we're going to as we add this pro, you know, the depth of the money conversation to shift, for example, we are going to be able to stretch people's context around how they see money, how they see investment, how they see savings, how they see tithing, how they see what the value and the contribution that actual cash money can be. And understanding that if money is just showing appreciation, showing appreciation for the lights, showing appreciation for a service that you got or for a pedicure, a manicure, for the Lamborghini, it doesn't matter. But the mindset around money is truly about busting your stories, busting the things that we started with the beginning. You know, money is the root of all evil. Money doesn't grow on trees. If I work harder, I'll just make more money. I mean, how many times is we, have we said that? I'll just get another gig. I'll just work harder. I just got to, you know, do this. Uh, rich people are evil. You know, that one was really hard for me to bust. I always, when I looked outside of myself and said, okay, well, I can never be that. If I'm, I have to choose, I have to be a good person or I have to be rich. Hmm. And then I shifted that into, okay, well, what is an abundance mindset? What is a prosperity mindset? And what is, how, how is that perceived? And you know what? There's always enough money. And when I got that, everything shifted for me. So folks, one of the ways as a final tip when it comes to money and observing is to actually just take a little bit of time to make some notes, you know, make an observation of your thoughts when it comes to dollars and cents. What is the story you're telling yourself so that you can see where maybe you have, in fact, a story that is shutting down the flow of the energy of money to you. And so give it some consideration. 
And to finish this off, a reminder, Stephanie and I kick off Shift, our Shift coaching program. I'm super excited. May 17th. Yes. And it's going to be small group. It is a group coaching one-on-one, lots of infrastructure and technology and behind it to support you and to uh, work through the seven areas of your life. Money being one of them. I mean, the financial, yeah, that financial area of our life is an important one. And we're going to be doing all of that. And we'll be uh, looking forward to working with you. If you want to take a look at registering, go to ishiftthinking.ca or .com, or even go to the everydaymillionaire.ca podcast the website my webpage and uh there will be a pop-up there for i shift thinking and shift so love to have you in the program if you're interested in doing that and hanging out with stephanie Knight, we would love to have you join us stephanie thanks very much that was fun ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening if you found value in the podcast please take the time to rate and review and share with others share with your friends as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.